Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series from canvas to screen on select Saturdays in March. Enjoy a film that captures the drama and beauty of some of history's most celebrated works of art, including Metropolis, Days of Heaven, and Marie Antoinette at NortonSimon.org. An unexpected story out of the so-called hot labor summer. Binge all four episodes of Imperfect Paradise Strippers Union, wherever you get your podcasts. LAS Studios. There's just a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety and in a lot of cases, depression because, you know, we are in this prolonged period of really deep economic challenge. I'm Brian De Los Santos, and this is How to LA. We're coming back to you today with some more SAG and WGA strike coverage. Back in July, a studio executive was quoted in deadline saying they wanted to drag out negotiations until union members start losing their homes. And that's actually starting to happen. There are reports of people leaving or getting evicted from their apartments to go live with family members or in their cars. Basically, things are getting rough out there for folks. We heard from a showrunner's assistant, by the way, that's a position that is not covered by the Guild, who's been out of work since February. That means his unemployment payments are about to stop. I'm Will McGee. It's been a pro and a con in the sense that because I'm not in the guild, in any guild under California law, I can actually get unemployment. But it also means I was paid the least. The interesting position of being at the bottom of the TV writing ladder, the assistant part of the ladder, is you are constantly working to be on the verge of actually making money that's actual money. Constantly on the verge of being a full-time writer, constantly on the verge of being in the guild. But that's basically you are sacrificing money by waiting to get there. And that gets really hard when you are no longer getting paid for an extended amount of time. The WGA strike has been going on for four months, but some people have been unemployed for longer than that because studios kind of saw the strikes coming. Well, that's what happened to Will in February. My show was a mini room that was supposed to either make or break in March and keep going. And the network was like, we don't know what's going to happen. We're putting this on hold. And no one else was hiring in February. So to me, like, I was impacted by the strike by mid-February and have been ever since. Despite unemployment running out soon, Will is eligible for relief from something called the Entertainment Community Fund. So, you know, right now we're distributing anywhere between four and $700,000 a week in emergency grants for people's rent. Some big names in the industry are helping out, but that money will only go so far if the strikes continue for too much longer. We want to get into all of this with Keith McNutt, Executive Director of the Entertainment Community Fund's Western Region. Hey, Keith. Hey, Brian. Nice to meet you. Nice to talk to you. Can you tell us about the Entertainment Community Fund? What kind of assistance do you provide and to who? The Entertainment Community Fund is a national nonprofit. We help anybody who works in performing arts or entertainment anywhere in the country 
So that's across radio, TV, film, music, opera, dance, and theater. And it's all jobs within those professions. And part of what we do is act as a safety net in times of need or crisis, like we're in right now. And part of what we do is help people build a more stable, resilient life in the arts, because we all know how difficult that is with intermittent income and intermittent jobs and lack of, you know, basic employment benefits. So we provide, for example, like a free curriculum of money management classes, and we have a career center that helps people build parallel careers, and we help people find affordable health insurance and affordable housing. And we also provide emergency grants across the country every year for anybody who is out of work, unemployed, injured, disabled, so that we can bridge the gap to help them until they can get back on their feet. And the reason why we're talking today is because of the work you do during these strikes, which have been going on for about four months. And people have been out of work even before then. What's different right now versus other times when you're providing assistance to folks? I I think that is one of the biggest differences, which is that, you know, the whole country, the whole world has just gone through three years of an economic crisis. And people, I think, were just starting to rebuild their reserves, their savings for a rainy day. And it started raining before people were ready. We do Fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars a week in normal times in grants around the country, and that jumped up almost immediately to two hundred thousand dollars a week in grants. And over the course of time, it's only grown from there. I think because of people's lack of savings because of the pandemic. So you know, right now we're distributing anywhere between four and seven hundred thousand dollars a week in emergency grants for people's rent. What are, sort of, what are the sort of things you're hearing from the funds, social workers, about how entertainment industry workers are doing right now? Well, I, I think aside from the, you know, the obvious financial need that people are experiencing, there's just a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety and in a lot of cases, depression, because, you know, we are in this prolonged period of really deep economic challenge. And for an industry that's really characterized by gig workers who go from short-term job to short-term job to short-term job, that level of uncertainty, um, I think it's, it's a challenge for people to manage emotionally in normal times. But when you're dealing with this intense period over such a prolonged period of time, um, those emotional challenges become much more difficult to manage and sustain. I think people, when they hear the words entertainer or if you work in, in, in Hollywood in some way, whether you're a fashion designer, a set creator, an actor, it, it, they think it's like, you know, glitz and glamour, but you're dealing with real people in real lives here. Can you kind of just tell me what are some of the looks, how that looks like because you know we're not really used to seeing the real behind the curtain right yeah yeah i think that's a really important point to underscore for everyone uh people you're right people do know entertainment by the most famous people who have been the most successful over the longest periods of time and we all love those folks right Mm -hmm. they they tell us our stories but 
underneath all of that are all the people that produce all of that work and write that work and make the food for the people who are producing the work. And most, the vast majority of those jobs are regular middle-class nine to five jobs where people are living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, we, we did a survey of the 40 some thousand people that we helped provided emergency grants to over the course of the pandemic. And the average income was like $38,000. So imagine living in New York or Los Angeles and making $38,000 a year. And that is a far cry from the perception that a lot of the public has about these creative careers. They're very rewarding in some ways because people are following their passions, but they're very challenging economically. More with Keith McNutt after this break. Support for LAist comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series From Canvas to Screen, capturing the drama and beauty of some of history's most celebrated works of art. Films include Metropolis by Fritz Lang, Days of Heaven by Terrence Malick, and Marie Antoinette by Sofia Coppola. Screenings are at 4.30 p.m. on consecutive Saturdays now through March 30th. More information at nortonsimon.org. Support comes from Pasadena Playhouse, presenting One of the Good Ones. The ultimate family showdown is on in the world premiere of this new comedy commissioned by the Tony Award-winning theater. When the perfect Latina daughter brings her boyfriend home to meet the parents, her family's biases and preconceptions are put on full display. Meet your new favorite family in this laugh-out-loud, heartfelt story from Gloria Calderon Kellett, the co-creator and showrunner of Netflix's One Day at a Time. Now through April 7th, tickets are on sale now at PasadenaPlayhouse.org. And we're back. And we've been hearing from folks that are having trouble finding even temporary jobs to make ends meet because they say that employers know that if a deal is made, they likely won't stick around. Here's Will again, the showrunner's assistant. I talked to a temp agency the the other week and they were basically like, look, we're going to try and place you, but we're going to struggle to find anything that's not minimum wage because if we're looking to fill even, let's say, a temporary receptionist, that company is looking for someone who has the title receptionist in their job for at least three years. And I'm like, I've covered a receptionist desk at multiple jobs, but that doesn't count. I'm getting uh, bartending trained starting next week. That's That's my current route. But, you know, still trying to figure out, still looking at other things that I can do. Is this story you've been hearing quite a lot? Even in, you know, normal times, we'll hear that employers might be reticent to hire somebody in entertainment because, as you said, they're they're afraid that, you know, the next job that comes along, they might leave. And so that's one of the reasons that we developed our whole career center, which is really about helping people think about what transferable skills do they have from their primary career that could be applied to other jobs that might be more flexible, that they might have more control over? And that's part of a whole strategy of how do you create a more sustainable economic life? You know, there was this anonymous studio executive quoted in an article in Deadline back in July. It caused a big uproar over on Twitter or X, wherever you want to find your news on. Here's a quote. The end game is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses, end quote. 
Does that kind of sound like it's already happening? You know, as any crisis goes on into three months, four months, like we're looking now, just ask your friends, how many months of savings do they have? Most of us don't have a year of savings. Most of us have a few months. I know you're supposed to have six, right? But not everybody does that. And so anytime a crisis like this drags on or a recession, anything, you end up seeing more and more people who are getting three-day evict notices, who are struggling with mortgage payments. And, you know, there's this co-occurring process of their spots throughout LA County where the the um, eviction moratoriums have been lifted in certain spots. And so uh, the landlord tenant issues, our dynamics have changed in the last couple of months too. So I think there are multiple factors right now that are, are indeed um, uh, putting people's housing at risk. I want to talk about the wider impact, you know, that the strikes may have, not just uh, for our own, you know, entertainment as consumers, but really things that folks listening to this podcast might not know about, you know, maybe how the work has been affected, uh, maybe how entertainment workers have been affected or how they're feeling. Do you want to add anything to that? I think everybody who works professionally takes pride in that career and they want to be successful and they want to talk to their friends about what they're doing. How many people do you know whose family or friends have said, you know, when are you going to get a real job? Or there's something odd about you for pursuing this career, or it's your fault or something. But we want our storytellers to have the room to create things that we've never thought of before. How many of us survived the pandemic by going home and sitting on our couch and turning on music or watching a new series on one of the streamers. And so to me, I think it's sort of a cost of doing business for society, just like it is to develop young scientific minds mm -hmm. so that we keep making progress. And so I guess all I would ask of your listeners is that they keep in mind how much we all love and depend upon for our own emotional health and our own learning and our own entertainment, all these creative people who do all this work. And instead of questioning them, lift them up and keep them going because we all, I think as a society, depend on their creativity and their risk that they take professionally talking about supporting this industry we've heard some big names in film and tv making donations like anything from small to a few hundred thousand dollars what kind of support have you been getting from folks whether it's big and money or a little bit smaller donations yeah we are over ten thousand donations believe it or not since may so a lot of that comes from the average person who hears the story and sends a hundred dollar check and then we have some amazing leaders like our own board chair, Annette Benning, or people like Stacey Abrams, Greg Berlanti, Seth McFarlane, Daniel Radcliffe, Shonda Rhimes, and most recently, Steven Spielberg and Kate Capshaw. So people from across disciplines, tremendous number of showrunners that have come together and raised money. And, uh, you know, as a social worker myself, People, friends have always said, isn't your job kind of depressing? And I'm like, no, it's it's the opposite. Because when hard things happen, you get to see the best in people. You get to see people like this 
from that $100 donor to the $100,000 donor to the million dollar donor who all say, I want to be part of helping. And I, that's just amazing to see. We, we need a lot more money to give to a lot more people. We are estimating if this goes on till the end of the year, we might need as much as $20 million to keep helping people. And we know that there will be a, a longer tail to the crisis, anything that lasts this long. You know, it's not like day one, the work stoppage ends and day two, everybody goes back to work. There's going to be a ramp up that's got to get back to that point. So we're looking at months more of support. And so please go to entertainmentcommunity.org, uh, give whatever you can, and uh, we will pass that love directly back to the people who create our stories. Keith, thank you so much for being on How to LA. I appreciate your time. Okay, Brian, thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. That was Keith McNutt, Executive Director of the Entertainment Community Fund's Western Region. And thanks to Will McGee for sharing his experience. Go ahead and subscribe to How to LA if you liked the episode. We'll keep following the strikes and providing info for y'all. Okay, pues, see you next time. Bye. This episode was produced by Monica Bushman and Victoria Alejandro. Our other team members are Evan Jacoby, Megan Botel, and Erica Washington. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes LA a better place to live. Hey, it's Brian, the host of the How to LA podcast. How about we go to the movies? Join us for a 10-part series, Revival House, and discover the magic of L.A.'s indie theaters. Who knows? You might meet someone. I know it sounds antithetical because you're just sitting passively, but in fact, you're connecting with everyone else around you. Subscribe to How to L.A. from L.A. Studios wherever you listen to podcasts.